Well, good evening, everyone. This is a real delight to be again with you for another uh, walk through the Word. The Scripture says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. There's a lot in that verse. <clears throat> tells me if you can rightly divide it, you can wrongly divide it. But it also says if you really want the approval of God, you got to study. Paul talked about laboring in the word. And if you, a Bible student, you know there are times you just, you're just reading and reading and reading. And, and then all of a sudden, the elephant in the room shows up and you have one of those amazing, aha, revelatory moments. I hope tonight is another one of those episodes in your life. Without exception, <clears throat> the greatest book. I see so many people today, just through this episode of, of this corona thing, they're just, they're not laughing. They're not smiling. I, I don't <clears throat> see a lot of joy out there. And um, I, I see a lot of, you know, furrows and a lot of brows and a lot of crow's feet around the eyes and Everywhere I go, grocery store, picking up a sandwich, just interacting with someone, I, I try my best to make them laugh. And uh, um, so I thought for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to go with you through the book of Philippians because I don't know any book in the Bible that is able to teach us about joy like the book of Philippians at least 19 times in the book of Philippians, four short chapters, he either uses the word joy or rejoicing or gladness. And uh, <clears throat> it's, it's relevant to where we are right now. And uh, you have to remember where the apostle was when he wrote this letter. He's in prison. He's not sheltering in place or self-quarantining in some nice home. He's in the Mamertine prison, and it still exists where he was. It's just moldy, mildew, a simple little light, a little window way up in the top. Let a little shaft of light in, a, a bowl that was mortared into the floor that his gruel would be slopped in every day. No nice bed, no, no bathroom facilities. It, it was horrible where that man was when he was writing and giving us this book. And he didn't know if he was going to be acquitted or beheaded. And the question has to be asked, where in the world did this guy get this attitude from? What is the source of his joy? And, you know, first of all, uh, I do this every now and then. I, I've, through the years, had these things I call progressions. And I don't want to get sidetracked with that because I've got a lot of them in my mind that I've remembered through the years. But a progression is, is a daisy chain of, of scriptures that links one verse to another in a series of what I guess I would call progressive revelatory insight. And let me give you one of those uh, about that's pertinent to this subject. Think of, 
that scripture that says you need to resist the devil. James 4, 7. Now, of course, that's not how it starts. It said, submit yourselves to God. So you're not going to have victory over Satan if you're not submitted. But it said, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But the question needs now to be asked, if you're going to resist Satan, you're not going to do that if you're weak. You're going to need some strength. And so the question then, where do we get strength from? And one of the verses that teaches a source of strength is in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, because it says the joy of the Lord is where is where you get your strength from. So <clears throat> it, what what gives you joy? It's 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 uh not what gives you joy. What gives the Lord joy? It's the joy of the Lord, not the joy of Harold, whoever I'm talking to right now. There are lots of things that I enjoy, but that's not going to give me strength in the Lord. I need the joy of the Lord in order to be stronger. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> you know, what, what is that? Uh, what, is, what, what brings the Lord joy? There's a great story about the, the lost sheep. And it says the good shepherd left the 99 that were safe in the barn. And he went out looking for that one lost sheep. And it says in the book of Luke 15 and verse 5, when the good shepherd came back, he had that lost sheep on his shoulders. And it said he was rejoicing. <laughs> hey, here's a verse that's vital to consider in this progression. It's in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, and it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Watch this verse. This is Psalms 51, <clears throat> David's repenting prayer after the horrible episode of Bathsheba and his close friend. He said, Make me to hear gladness and joy. That's Psalms 51. Later on, he went, restore to me the joy of my salvation. But in 51 and 80, he said, make me to hear gladness and joy, which apparently makes a distinction between something that's joy and something that's gladness. See, David, <clears throat> the fruit of the spirit, ladies and gentlemen, is not love, laugh. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit is not love, grin. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Now, there's no way I can even conceive of a Savior hanging on the cross with a smile on his face. Nails in his wrist, nails in his ankles, back bloodied, crown of thorns on his head, smiling. Nah. There's something else here. Who for the joy that was set before him or in front of him endured the cross. The question is, what was on the other side of the cross that gave Jesus the determination to endure that suffering? And the answer is obvious, you and me, <laughs> the church. So now put it all together. 
You've got to resist Satan, but you're not going to do that if you're weak. You need to get stronger. How do you get stronger? You need the joy of the Lord. Well, what is the joy of the Lord? Finding something that was lost and making sure it's safe and making sure that it's found. So what brings the Lord more joy than anything else is when something is rescued and something that should have been lost and dead. And remember the prodigal son, the dad didn't say this, my son was lost. He said, this, my son was dead. I, I, I've been given my boy back. It's a resurrection story. It's a main, nothing, not, ladies and gentlemen, nothing is going to ensure despair. Like trying to figure out how all this is going to affect me, 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 me. You, you, if you want to guarantee a life of sadness and despair and anxiety and depression, then you just let everything be about you. Let it be about you and yours. Because there are, there are joy thieves. And so I want to give you a couple of them. Circumstances, people, things, worry. Look at it honestly. Do you really think you can control those four things? Do you really think that you can control circumstances in your life? That you can control other people? that you can control things. Let, let, me, let, let me say this very clearly to you. Control is a myth. It's a myth. <clears throat> it's not real. I can walk out this door right now and, and get struck with lightning. I can get hit with a car on my way home tonight, regardless of how careful of a driver I may be. Control is a myth. Do you, do you really think, think of the, <laughs> hundreds, thousands, millions of options uh, and particulars that go into every day of your life, that there's no algorithm for that. The weather when you wake up, the attitude of, of the people, tens, dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that you interact with on any given day, things, minutia, the accumulation of of any variable, of any given item, simply put, stuff. 16 times. <laughs> I was studying this morning. I, 16 times the Bible uses the word stuff. Did anyone have any more difficult circumstances than the Apostle Paul? Are you in prison living with the reality that you don't even know if you're going to be have the head your head on the top of your shoulders tomorrow or not Paul gives us four things to key on and these are going to be things I'm going to key on with you in the next couple lessons four chapters in the book of Philippians but each one of them give us a different thing to key on the first thing that he says is important is what he called the single mind Remember that verse that said, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In all of his ways. A scripture said, it's not, it's not possible for sweet water and bitter water to come out of the same well. You remember math? A positive plus a negative? It's a negative. 
And when you put sweet water with bitter water, it's going to be bitter. Bitter is stronger than sweeter. And, and, and if we're double-minded, we're unstable in every facet of our life. Because Paul said this, well, what's this single-minded determination of him? To live is Christ and to die is gain. He is saying, my circumstances that surround me are not going to burglarize my life. I don't live for circumstances. I live for Jesus Christ. In chapter 3 and verse 13, he, he didn't say these 20 things I do. He said, this one thing I do. I forget what's in my past, and I'm pressing towards the mark. He looked at everything through the lens of the Lord. Here, here's a verse. <clears throat> I've found this five different times in the epistles. Here's an example. This is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. He said, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're a prisoner of Rome. He said, oh, no, 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 I'm not. I, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of the Redeemer. I, I found something amazing in the conversion of Paul in Acts. Remember Acts 9 when he was riding toward Damascus and the light knocked him off? And, and there was this precious, this is his first encounter with the church, an old man by the name of Ananias, who really was afraid of him. And the Lord had to settle him down and say, he's praying now. He said, you mean that guy that persecuted the church? You want me to go, go help him? And he said, he's praying now. But listen to what it says in Acts 9 and verse 15. This is what the Lord said to Ananias. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Watch, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Which tells me that from the very beginning, from the conversion of Saul, he knew going in, what was going to be required of him. He knew he was laid up. This is what you're going to have to suffer. So he could say, you didn't put me in these chains. I'm a prisoner in these chains for the glory of Jesus Christ. I'm his prisoner, not yours. So he's not facing a civil trial. Here's Philippians 1 and 17. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. <laughs> he's not looking at it like he's facing a civil trial. I'm here to defend the gospel. And when you have single-minded circumstances work for you, <clears throat> not against you. So the deal is, look at where we are right now. How is this? going to glorify Jesus Christ in my life? How can I use these circumstances around me to glorify the Lord? The second thing, first was the single mind. The, the second thing Paul taught was the submitted mind. In verse 3 of chapter 2, he said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, 
let each esteem other better than themselves. So in the first chapter, Paul, who does Paul put first? Christ. Well, in the second chapter, who does he put second? Others. Which means there's only one slot left for Paul. He's in the caboose. He's in the back of the bus. The first priority is him. My second priority is others. Third priority is me. You see, the reason people aggravate us so much is simple. We can't get them to do what we want them to do. <laughs> and if we keep putting ourselves first, and they, as predictable as they are, are going to put themselves first, Ladies and gentlemen, your whole life is going to be a series of one battle after another. But if you have a submitted mind, you don't expect everybody to serve you. You don't expect everybody to do exactly what you think they ought to do. And Paul gives us four examples. First, he uses himself, and then he uses Jesus Christ, and then he uses Timothy, and then he uses this very unique guy who would teach about the name Epaphroditus. Because what he's saying is, you exalt yourself and you're going to get humbled. I've taught the church for years. God's job is to, is to exalt me. My job is to stay humble. But when you get those roles reversed and you think your job is to promote you, well, if you do the Lord's job, he's going to do yours. See, my job is to stay humble. His job is to promote me. But if I start promoting myself, well, then he's going to humble me. And that's why the Bible says, if you, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. But if you exalt yourself, you'll be abased. And Paul taught that in the second chapter of Philippians. And the third chapter, you got a single mind, a submitted mind. But chapter 3 talks about the spiritual mind. Because in verse 19 of chapter 3, he, he, he talks about people that keep minding earthly things. In fact, 11 times in the third chapter, he just mentions things. But as we mentioned in our last two Bible classes, thank you for the feedback. It's been amazing how many people have signed on and have audited and watched not only our, our sessions at, at that time, but have logged on at other times and Facebook and shared and other people. It's, it's really been pretty amazing how far this thing has reached. But I tried to explain to you something I called a tale of two cities, Babylon which is man building up from the ground and the new Jerusalem coming down from God above. <laughs> but in chapter three, he, 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 you know, our citizenship is in heaven. Spiritual minded people have a heaven view. I remember years ago, there were a group of missionaries that were slaughtered in South America and the news media just belittled them and just talked about what a waste it was for these people to go down there and try and reach people who ultimately beheaded them. I'll never forget the response 
of one of the ministers at the funeral of those slain missionaries. And this is what he said. He is not a fool to lose what he cannot keep in order to gain what he can't lose. <laughs> this constant grabbing for things, folks, is robbing too many people of their joy. You have to look at things from his perspective. Paul teaches three ways to look at things. The first, he says, you need to look at it like an accountant. The second, you need to look at it like an athlete. And the third, you need to look at it like you're an alien. That's why he used three phrases, and I'll teach you about these. He said, I count, which is what an accountant does. And he said, I press, which is what an athlete does. And he said, I look, which is what an alien does. And finally, the fourth thing that he taught, he said, you're going to have to have a single mind. You're going to have to have a submitted mind. You're going to have to have a spiritual mind. And the fourth thing is, you need a secure mind. Let's face it, wrong thinking. What is it? Worry is wrong thinking about circumstances and about people and about stuff. See, Paul teaches that, that he is going to guard our mind so that the peace of God that passes understanding will keep us. So he's going to teach us about God's peace and God's power and about God's provisions in our circumstances. And he said, we have the peace of God to guard us, and we also have the peace of God to guide us. So you get your Bible out and start reading the book of Philippians and start familiarizing yourself with these four short chapters. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through this and we'll talk about the single mind and the submitted mind and the spiritual mind and the secure mind. My wife and I, are building a house right now. My mother and father are getting older. <clears throat> we decided so three years ago, we've been working on this three years, we need to build a house where we can be together and we can take care of my mom and dad. <clears throat> Shingles are on it. The bricks are on it. The drywall's done. Boom. Here I am, right in the middle of what are one of the, some of the harshest economic times there has ever been. I've got to sell the house we're living in in order to pay off the house that we're building right now. And if I let myself, these things would just, they, they would steal my joy and all I would do is worry. But I have found that if you stay in the word and if you have a consistent prayer life, the Lord's coming. <laughs> Who cares about that other stuff? If it happens, fine. If it doesn't, fine. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I can't let anyone steal my joy if I don't permit them to. Let's keep a good attitude right now. Keep your mind focused. Stay focused on him with a single thought train. Stay submitted and be more worried about other people than about yourself. Have a security inside of you that he's going to give me a peace that passes understanding.
and I'm going to have a, if you live in the spirit, it says you can walk in it. We're going to come out of this stronger. You stay safe. We're going to keep you in touch. I love you. Have a blessed day. God bless every one of you in Jesus' name. Amen.